have enjoyed the worship services this morning and I always enjoy the prayer time when we're able to reflect our specific needs and concerns and have the community of believers here at Providence lift up those needs in our prayers. It just reminds us uh, how we live in a fallen world and so many uh, adversarial uh, tenants and afflictions and and the things that we face from day to day. Each one of us carry a, a particular burden and it's uh, wonderful that the God that we worship and serve this morning is able to meet the need of everyone. Isn't that wonderful? This morning I'd like us to open our Bibles together to the 10th chapter of the Gospel of Mark. And I want to talk a little while about the miracle at Jericho. Here in this wonderful event in the ministry of Jesus Christ, contextually we know that Jesus has been ministering in the region of Perea, which is northeast of Jerusalem, and he has uh, performed many miracles, and he's taught his disciples many things, and, and now uh, he's about to enter what we call the Passion Week, the last seven days of Jesus uh, before he goes to the cross. And during that period of time, he's, he's being more tender with his disciples. Because that's the way he is. We read something that happens that's only recorded one time. What we're going to share with you is the only recorded time that Jesus ever went to Jericho. But it was important for him to come to Jericho. And we'll understand that more in a little bit. But if you geographically frame your mind, you're, you're coming from the northeast and you're coming from Perea across the River Jordan to the first major city uh, of Jericho. And then 15 miles uh, further to the southwest, you come to Jerusalem. In verse 46, we begin to read, And they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight 
and follow Jesus in the way. This morning we want to see the transforming power of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul would remind us of that in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 6. Ye have known the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, how that he was rich but became poor, that we through his poverty might become rich. It's interesting to me, as we think about this particular subject, how it was that Jesus, in his coming to Jericho, is coming with a message as well as a ministry. We know from other accounts in Matthew and Luke that there were actually two blind beggars that were situated in the road outside of Jericho. And and some people have actually used that to show that there's contradictions in the word of God. You know, because Matthew says Jesus did his healing as he came into the city of Jerusalem, uh, of Jericho. And then Luke records as he departed uh, Jericho, he did his uh, uh, healing ministry of Bartimaeus. Uh, But there's something you need to know about the region, the region of Jericho. We uh, found this out, my wife and I, as we visited Israel not too long ago and and were able to go to Jericho. And and we went, of course, to the the original site, the original city where they've uh, uh, dug and found uh, evidence that there must have been a great earthquake that happened in that place. And, and, and another interesting part of that story is uh, the lower uh, stones that they've dug up have evidence of a great fire that must have happened. It, it, it's a strange thing to unbelieving archaeologists uh, what exactly happened because it was very strange because the stratosphere under the ancient walls of uh, Jericho appear to have opened for some reason, some strange, ridiculous reason. And the walls uh, ridiculously fell down in a way that is not normal. Walls normally fall out, but these fall these walls fell straight down, and they they just can't figure it out. What we need to do is get them to read the Bible. But what really touched me is my wife and I went there, is that there's a section of wall from the ancient city that's still standing. There's a part of that wall that's still standing today. And that's how they know where the city was. It's the only part of that structure that's actually remaining to this day. And again, as we read the book of Joshua chapter 6, we find where Rahab and her family were delivered from the destruction that came upon the city of Jericho. And she lived upon the wall. So that portion of wall is still there today. But what we also need to remember in the region of Jericho is that Herod the Great, who was a great builder, Herod the Great not only built the Jewish temple, uh, but Herod the Great built many buildings and and rebuilt many cities during his long reign as king of Judea. And Jericho was one of them. If you would go 1.5 miles to the northwest of the ancient ruins of 
uh, Jericho, you would then go into the New Testament city of, Jerus uh, of Jericho that was built by Herod the Great. And those are the places that most people go to see ancient Jericho. But you need to, you need to remember that there were two specific places where Jericho, the city, was actually built. And what Mark is writing about in conjunction with Matthew and Luke's account is that Jesus wouldn't necessarily go through both. He would go through the ancient ruins into the New Testament city of Jericho, and that's, that's why the story seems like it's a contradiction, but it's not really. He would, he would enter into the old city, and as he was departing the old city, he would meet Bartimaeus. And then he would go into the city of Jericho, the New Testament city of Jericho, and, and Luke picks this up in Luke chapter 20. That's where he met Zacchaeus. So, so it's, it's, it's very simple if you know those facts about the region of Jericho. Now the thing I want us to remember about ancient Jericho is that according to Joshua chapter 6 verse 26... The city of Jericho was a city under curse. It was cursed by God. God said, cursed be the man that rebuilds the city of, of Jericho. And that was actually fulfilled. Because many years later, a man named Hiel rebuilt the city of uh, Jericho. And as the prophecy said, he, uh, he lost his youngest son and his oldest son as a result of constructing that, that city. It's a city under a curse. Now, this, these, are, these, are, these are principles that are, are physical. These are physical realities that are a part of the story of the ministry of Jesus Christ. But I think it's intriguing and, and very important for us to pick up the spiritual lessons that are the result of this miracle that happened at Jericho. Now let's get into this, having discussed the uh, consideration of the region of Jericho and its history, as it were, um, in, the, in the history of Israel and God's Fulfillment of his promise to Abraham. Uh, this was the first city that uh, Israel would uh, overtake as they came into the land of Canaan. And it's very significant uh, in many ways to the history of Israel, ancient Israel. But now this city of curse is going to be visited by the Redeemer, by the Restorer, by the uh, Messiah. And he's going to come through those places on his way to Jerusalem, which actually occurs in chapter 11 of Mark and Matthew 21 and uh, Luke 21. Jesus is going to be coming through there on his way to the cross. And they came to Jericho, verse 46. And as they went out of Jericho... With his disciples and a great number of people. I want us to see that Christ, because of his ministry and the revelation of his Messiahship, many people had come to believe 
in Christ and followed after Him, became His disciples. And here we are introduced to blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus. Commentators agree that this was evidently, according to the wording here, evidently Bartimaeus was born blind. He had a, he had a, a natural blindness. This is a man that had never seen the sunrise. He had never seen the color of a flower. Uh, he had always been blind. And uh, Matthew Henry uh, states that uh, when it says uh, uh, son of Timaeus, uh, that indicates that his father may also have been blind. So I thought that was an interesting thing, especially when I consider the spiritual impact of that, because spiritually we by nature are blind to the things of God, to the truth of God, to the redeeming power of God. We're blind to it. We're blind to the truth. You know, I love to share the doctrines of grace with people. I, I don't know their religious background. I, 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 in, any time we're in conversation, I, I love to share the principles of the doctrines of grace, how that man is totally depra depraved and how the Bible teaches unconditional election and how the, the atoning work of Jesus Christ was limited to those that were chosen in covenant before time began and how that His grace is irresistible and the regenerating power of God is something that is not left up to the free will of man and how that by God's wonderful grace man is preserved eternally and perseveres in the faith that God has entrusted to him. I, I love to share that with people. But what I've found through the years in sharing that simple doctrine and consistent doctrine, uh, if God doesn't open the eyes of that individual, they'll never come to see it. It's as though they're blind, like Bartimaeus. It's, it's as though they cannot see until the Lord Himself turns on the light. And then it's a wonderful experience when I, uh, from time to time, am able to see that truth finally click in the mind and heart of that individual. So I say to you and I um, this morning, don't give up in sharing the truths, even though they're um, not easily embraced, even though they're uh, sometimes uh, aggressively opposed. Don't, don't give up. In standing for those principles of truth. Because in God's time and in God's way, he'll turn on the light. Here's Bartimaeus. Someone that uh, others had given up on. Someone that uh, you can just imagine, can't you? What it would be like to live without eyesight. To live without being able to see, physically see, the world around you. I, uh, I like to uh, challenge uh, young people when I'm uh, talking to young people. Sometimes I'll ask them to put their hands over their eyes, shut their eyes and put their hands over their eyes. And, and, uh, and, and then I challenge them saying, uh, how would it feel to you if you were to li live your whole life with your hands over your eyes? Not seeing anything, not seeing your mother or father's face, not not seeing the world and the beauty of creation around you, not being able to read, 
not being able to function. And in the time of Bartimaeus, a blind man was necessarily a begging man. That's how he survived. He would, would find a, a place where uh, uh, people would pass by frequently and he would beg alms of them. That's how he had his existence. But something's going to change because there's going to be a miracle at Jericho. Of all places, a miracle of the blessing of God in a city that is cursed. Here's blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, and he sat by the highway begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, now stop right there and consider with me, consider with me the um, recognition of Timaeus that something was different in the people, in the sound, in the activity of those that followed Jesus. Something was different about this crowd. These people are different. And he recognized something was going on that was different in his own life and in his own life experience. Did you know that when people look at our lives as, as Christians, as, as believers, as followers of the Lamb, when, 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 when people uh, witness our gatherings, there ought to be something different. There ought to be something very different from the world. And Bartimaeus recognized that. And he said, what's going on here? Who, who is this? I, I, I gather that from the other readings as well. It was when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David. Now, that is a messianic term. Thou son of David. He would recognize him as the son of God, as the promised Messiah, thou son of David, give me exactly what I deserve. Is that what he was saying, brothers and sisters? Oh, no. Oh, no. He was not appealing to Jesus for justice. He was appealing to Jesus for mercy. Recognizing. He recognized his actual need. His actual need was not for justice. I'm mindful of a story one time I heard about a man that stole chickens. And that's how he fed his family. It was during the Great Depression and he would go to his neighbor and, and steal a chicken and steal a chicken. Well, his neighbor got tired of it and turned him into the sheriff. And the sheriff arrested him and put him in jail, locked him up tight and said, Don't worry, in the morning the judge is coming through. And he's going to give you justice. And that man said, oh no, that's not what I'm after. I'm not after justice because I know I stole the chickens. I'm after mercy. I think it's important for us to recognize that the greatest need in our relationship between us and God is His mercy toward us. Amen? And somebody says, well, Brother Jeff, I thought you believed in uh, asking for grace. Well, we need mercy and grace, don't we? The difference being mercy is what God keeps uh, from us. Uh, no, mercy is what God gives us that we don't deserve. But grace is what God keeps from us that we do deserve, you see. So he's crying out. 
for the same thing we are this morning. We're crying out for the mercy of God to receive what we don't deserve. And I love that. Well, here we've, we've, we, we have some politically correct people that tell him to shut up. I wonder if there's anybody here that's ever been told to shut up when you're talking about the mercy of God. Shut up about uh, burdening Jesus. Why would you ever burden Him? You're not worth anything. Just keep on begging over, over there. Uh, hush. Many charged Him that He should hold His peace. But look here. But He cried all the more. <laughs> He cried all the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. He recognized that his greatest need was mercy because misery is the object of mercy. And when he calls out to Jesus as the son of David, he's stating a belief in his heart that Jesus was the very son of God. And notice verse 49. We're looking at the reply. We've gone from the region of Jericho to recognizing his specific need. Now we're looking at the reply. Jesus replied. Jesus stood still. Jesus stood still. In the days of Joshua, we read where the sun stood still. Well, here the S-O-N is standing still. And he commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, uh, Bartimaeus, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth for thee. I mentioned already in Luke chapter uh, 20, where we're introduced to the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector. The Bible says it there that uh, Zacchaeus was a rich man. And he's the one that uh, crawled up into the sycamore tree to see Jesus passing by. Remember that? Remember that story? That happened at Jericho. What a great contrast it is between this poor unworthy beggar and that very rich man in the same city. And yet Jesus has uh, the ability to meet the need of both of them. See, it's irrespective of our circumstances this morning. It's not uh, with respect to our good deeds or our worthiness this morning that Jesus is able to stand still and meet Every need. Isn't it amazing? It's not, it's not based upon social strata or good deeds or uh, uh, pedigree. It's because of His own sovereign power, His own sovereign mercy, His own sovereign grace that He is able to come to us and meet our greatest need. Now He's, he's calling for thee. So comfort yourself. I, I love this. And... Uh, Jesus uh, replied to this urgent repeal, uh, uh, appeal as he heard his cry. He stopped in his course. He commanded him to be called and brought to him. And then he healed him. But notice the response of Bartimaeus when he was told that Jesus called him. Notice what he did in verse 50. He casting away his garment. Now stop right there. You see, this is the first step. That must be taken by each one of us. As we come to Jesus for, uh, to meet our, our need. He had to lay aside his garment. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of what Paul wrote in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1. 
when he said, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us and run with patience the race that is before us. We've got to lay aside something. See, that's why some people are not... Um, uh, not uh, uh, pursuing Christ, not uh, following Christ. They hear the call. They hear the gospel call, but they, they just don't want to give up what they got going on. They don't want to give up the, some sin or some sinful activity or, or something that is uh, contrary to Christ. They want to hang on to that as long as they can, but not, not Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus took off that beggar's garment um, a garment that represents self-sufficiency. Something that I can do or be a part of. Something that I can take glory in. Something that I uh, 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 feel important about. He was unwilling to lay that aside. But not Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus is willing to lay aside that garment. So that he would not be impeded in his pursuit of Jesus Christ. I wonder if there's anyone here that needs to lay aside some garment. I wonder if there's someone here this morning or that will hear this message that can't quite lay aside that garment of pride or that garment of self-sufficiency so that they can follow Christ. Not Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus dropped that garment quick and he rose up and he came to Jesus. I love what Matthew adds about that. There were others there that helped him come to Jesus. Remember, he's blind. I wonder if God has called us to help others to come to Jesus. They helped Bartimaeus. Helped him come to the one that could meet his need. And he came to Jesus and Jesus, I love this part of the story. <laughs> and Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? Now that's an important question. What, what is on your mind? Now, are you trying to tell me Jesus didn't know what he needed? Not at all. What if Jesus this morning came to you? And said, what wilt thou that I should do unto you? We've already heard in our prayer time about this family that lost the mother. Can you imagine those four little children living life without their mama? What, 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 what would they say to Jesus this morning? Because... Uh, because Jesus is the only one that can really meet their need. Now, we can encourage them. We, we can uh, contribute toward their needs. We can do everything in our power to comfort them and to be there for them when they face the challenges that are ahead and should be. But only Jesus is able to meet their deepest need. And we need to remind them of that and remind one another of that. Only Jesus is able to meet the need of Bartimaeus. What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And the blind man said unto him, Lord. And this word Lord is not kurios. This word Lord is Rabboni. Rabboni means my great one. 
Rabboni, my great one, that I might receive my sight. That I might receive my sight. This was on his heart. And he believed that Jesus was able to meet that need. And isn't it interesting that it doesn't say that Jesus touched his eyes. Have you noticed that? In Matthew, if you compare Matthew, Mark, and Luke's account of this, it didn't say that Jesus reached out and touched his eyes. It just says that Jesus spoke. You know, there are blind men in the scriptures that Jesus did touch their eyes. He, he actually took, and, uh, took dirt and spit in it. Can you imagine? I don't understand. Uh, spit in it and he mixed it up. And he put it on the eyes of a blind man and sent him down to the pool of Siloam. He said, you go wash and you'll, you'll be healed. And he did. And he was healed of his blind, blind eyes. We read where Jesus touched the eyes. And they became whole. But here he just spoke. And it was done. You know, the way we look at it in our traditions... That's where two denominations actually began. The Muddite and the Anti-Muddite Baptists. Right there. Right there. But Jesus just speaks. And he says, Thy faith hath made thee whole. Now that man was not able to produce faith in his own heart. God is the one that produced that faith. And I want you to see a sequence here that I believe follows the rest of the New Testament. A sequence that you need to understand in order to embrace the full beauty of the doctrines of sovereign grace. We see Bartimaeus as a blind man. Then we see him as a born again man. Then we see him as a believing man. And then we see him as a bold follower. Of Jesus Christ. That's the pattern. You're going to find it all the way through the New Testament. The new birth has to precede conversion. But conversion is a part of God's work in saving individuals. Here he's a great example of that, isn't he? Listen, Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight. I like that. Immediately he received his sight. It wasn't a six-month program. It wasn't a, a rehab a, a situation. Uh, it wasn't a send $100 and I'll, I'll make sure that it happens. It wasn't any of that kind of stuff. It was immediately his eyes received sight and he followed Jesus in the way. He followed Jesus on the road. He, was, he became a public, uh, uh, a public uh, a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ and he was bold in his declaration that, that Jesus is the one that met my need. He's the one that did great things in my life. He was... Uh, following him all the way to Jerusalem. Do you realize that the first great event that the eyes of blind Bartimaeus would see would be Jesus going into the city of Jerusalem on the foal of an ass and them acclaiming him as the Messiah. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Save now, Lord Jesus. 
he would, he would witness that. And you can imagine him as he would go on that road following Jesus, telling everybody about how great things he had done for him. Somebody says, well, Brother Jeff, I know you have the gift of evangelism, but I, I, I've just never been able to, to share my, my faith with others. Well, brothers and sisters, you and I need to be as bold as Bartimaeus was. And just tell people what the Lord's done for you. Tell them. Tell them your experience. How the Lord dealt with you. You know, a lot of times that has more impact than a, 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 a preached sermon. More impact than a, a church a gathering. Uh, but uh, for some reason, we're reluctant to do that, aren't we? Many of us are, you know, and there's times when I am, and, and by the way, that's unusual. But there's times when I, I just feel reluctant to share my faith with, with people I meet in life's way. Not with Bartimaeus. People would come and say, my goodness, aren't you that beggar in the way? Aren't you that one that was sitting by the way? I, I, I think I gave you a couple of pennies one time I was walking by. You're the same man. Were you, were you uh, deceiving people? You're not really blind anymore. Oh, let me tell you. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Jesus of Nazareth passed by and he stood and answered my prayer. Jesus, what a wonderful, wonderful uh, invitation Jesus gives when he says in Matthew chapter, uh, 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 Matthew chapter 11, verse 25, when Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you something the world can't. I will give you something you don't deserve. I will give you something that will bring you into a level of relationship with the Father wherein your worship and your service will be acceptable in His sight. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, Bartimaeus learned that lesson. And I wonder if we need to learn that this morning. I, I wonder if that's where we are this morning. When we think about the subject of blindness, we understand that it's used in several ways in the Scripture. The word blindness in the New Testament Greek also has an equivalent meaning, darkness, hardness, uh, isn't, isn't that, uh, isn't that uh, a good description of men by nature, of what we are by nature? We're hard. We're hardened to the things of God. Uh, we're walking in darkness. That's what Jesus said, didn't he? In John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20, when he says, you're not going to come to me. Why? Because uh, uh, light reproves darkness. And because your deeds are evil, you will not come unto me. That's what Jesus said. But Jesus also said something in John chapter 8. If you want to turn there with me very quickly. In John chapter 8 and verse 12, Jesus also said this. Jesus again said unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. 
He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. You see, brothers and sisters, there is light in Jesus Christ. And it's not only physical. It is a spiritual reality of who Christ is. When He turns on the light... That's when our heart begins to hunger and thirst after righteousness. That's when we are given the desire to repent of known sin. When we are able to bring our guilt and our brokenness before Him and ask His forgiveness and receive His restoration. That's what Bartimaeus is an example of to us this morning. I think about it in terms of what Paul described national Israel as. And by the way, they still today, to this day, uh, the same could be said of of the nation of Israel. In Romans chapter 11, verse uh, 25, he says, Blindness in part hath happened unto Israel. They're blind to the truth of the Messiah. They're blind that Jesus actually has already come. The Messiah has already been here and is promised to return again. I think about spiritual blindness in the context of the scribes and the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 13 verse 14 and Matthew chapter 23 verse 16. Jesus states uh, that they are the blind leading the blind and they both fall into the ditch. They cannot see. That Jesus is the true Savior. They can't. Until it's given them from God Himself. The Son quickens whom He will. I want you to turn your Bible very quickly with me to a few verses that I've been thinking about all week long, actually, um, uh, with reference to the true believers. Go with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to go through this very quickly, but I want you to see that as we have received spiritual eyes and received spiritual insight into who Jesus is, there are uh, several evidences of that reality in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8. Listen to what Paul says. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Now watch this. Walk as children of light. Now notice he didn't say walk as children of light in order to be the children of God. He says as you walk in the light, this is the evidence that you are a child of God. That you have been born again by the mighty power of the Spirit of God. That you have come to a saving knowledge of who Christ is and what Christ has accomplished for you. That's what Bartimaeus found out in the miracle of Jericho. In fact, I believe that that miracle is still being wrought today. We're in our own Jerichos. We're in our own cities under a curse. We're in our own world that is so troubled. As one brother mentioned uh, this morning, the, uh, the presence of war, uh, the threat of it. Uh, happening in Ukraine, and 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 uh, and it's sad to me. And not only Ukraine, but you better keep your eye on Taiwan. We're 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 just on the verge. Of what I mean, 
of being a nation at war again. And if it's not going to be that, it's going to be something else, you see. Because we're living under a curse. We're living in a darkened world. A world that is darkened because of its rejection of God. Its rejection of of Christ. Its rejection of truth. And we're living in that city of Jericho today. But Brother Don, God is still working miracles in Jericho today. Aren't you glad of that? Go with me to Colossians chapter 1. All right, Colossians chapter 1. So you, you see, the Apostle Paul is continually drives this point home, drives this point home, so we don't miss it. He said, you know, in his prayer for the church at Colossae, he says, this is what I'm about. In verse 12 and 13, listen, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in what? In light. The light of truth. The light of God. The light of Christ. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. You see, this is what Jesus was teaching us through Bartimaeus. This is what He was teaching Zacchaeus. This is what He's teaching us today through the gospel. There is hope in Jesus Christ. There is salvation in Him and Him alone. Jesus is not God's plan B response to man's fallen condition. Jesus has always been and always will be the only way to the Father. There is none other name given among men whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus Christ. And if you were to ask Bartimaeus that question, he would affirm it 100%. That's why we as Christians need to be ready. We're we're living in a society today that needs to hear that truth. That needs to hear that message. What our nation needs today more than anything is the truth of Jesus Christ and the liberty that only He can bring. That's the point this morning. Very quickly, let's go to another verse in uh, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, uh, chapter 2, please. Watch this. And see how this fits Bartimaeus as well as you and I and every believer, wherever they are in the world today. In First Peter chapter 2, in verse 9, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. He's talking to the believer. You are a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth, be bold about showing forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which are not obtained, have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Just like Bartimaeus. You and I have received a great deal of mercy from God so that we might show forth His praises to the generation around us. We can, uh, brothers and sisters, I I really believe we need to awaken to the responsibility of uh, 
telling people about Jesus. Pointing people to Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about in an offensive or a belligerent uh, or a braggadocious way. I'm not talking about that at all. But I'm talking about in the normal course of everyday life. Mentioning Christ to those around us. Whether it's in school, in the home, in the community, in the job. Mentioning the fact that we are believers in Christ. Oh, I'm telling you, uh, Jesus has done so much for me. What has He done for you, brother? Why, He opened my eyes. He opened my heart. He opened my mind to receive the truth of His Word. And His Word is true. You can trust in that. I like that... uh, I, I like uh, one time we, we were on a preaching trip in Virginia and we stopped at an old country store, uh, you know, a wood store, uh, like the, the original Cracker Barrel where they had the barrels full of crackers. And you, you go to pay for your soda pop and they're on the wood desk uh, of this uh, uh, store manager was this sign. It said, in God we trust, all others pay cash. I said, I'm going to hang on to that one. In God we trust. Do we trust in Him? Bartimaeus did. He couldn't trust in anyone else. Bartimaeus trusted in God. And he trusted that the God uh, of his heart, the God of his life, would deliver him. And Jesus of Nazareth answered that prayer. What wilt thou that I should do unto you? Do you think God's still working miracles? I do. Now, I don't have any confidence in faith healers, brethren, but I'll tell you this. I do have confidence in the God of miracles. I believe, and I'm going to say this, and I'm not trying to be uh, political, this morning, I'm I'm just trying to preach the gospel, but I'm telling you, I I I think our 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 nation has turned a corner, and it's in a downward spiral. And unless the God of mercy intervenes, it's going to be destroyed. But brothers and sisters, the miracle of Jericho can also happen. In America, God is able to turn this around. And I believe what he's speaking, he's speaking to his people. He's speaking to Bartimaeus. And he's saying, what wilt thou that I should do for you? What, what, is, what is on your heart? Have you asked God to restore America? Have you asked God to forgive America? Have you asked God to give us leaders that fear God? Um, in our judiciary, in our uh, executive branch, and in our Congress? Have you asked God uh, to give us godly men and women in our school boards? You see, a lot of us have kind of slid through life without asking for these things, and then we wonder why God doesn't answer. Maybe He doesn't answer because we haven't asked. But I'll tell you this morning, I want to be like Bartimaeus. I want to keep asking. Even if all the people around me say, well, it's too late. It's too late. 
It's all over for this nation. It's all over for the old Baptists. It's all over for this and that. I want to be like Bartimaeus. I want to keep on asking. And I'm not going to ask for justice. I'm going to ask for His mercy. And this morning as we consider this subject, my prayer for us, is each one of us, is that we would individually experience a similar uh, miracle that occurred in Jericho so long ago. Thank you for your good attention. God bless you.